0: Delicious dishes and generous sizes that really satisfy the appetite. So come hang with the sports crowd at Rafferty's. It's the tastiest place in town.
1: It's Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's, and it's Episode 26, Part 2 of Oscar's Chat with Sam Bowie. In part two, Sam Bowie continues his story. Sam was definitely a big man on campus despite suffering an injury and setting out for two seasons prior to his senior year at Kentucky. However, Sam off the court was enough to impress the really big man on campus, Dr. Otis Singletary. Sam reflects on his relationship with Dr. Singletary and how his actions off the court helped him throughout the University of Kentucky and life. Oscar and Sam discuss his first game back against a really big rival, to start his senior season, and they both relive an epic adventure in which that story should be told every Christmas Eve in the Big Blue Nation. And how did the Wildcats make the round mound of rebound cry? That is a moment some Wildcat fans will never forget. However, one moment that Wildcat fans would like to forget is the 1984 Final Four. It was Sam Bowie's final game as a Wildcat. Sam Bowie spent 11 years in the NBA and was drafted second by the Portland Trailblazers. His NBA career may be trivial to some, but to the Big Blue Nation, the name Sam Bowie means much more. And we'll find out how much his former Kentucky teammates means to him. I'm Bo Robinson, thanking you for listening to a special edition, episode 26, part two of Sam Bowie. You'll be hard pressed to find any Kentucky basketball player that loves the University of Kentucky and the Big Blue Nation as much as Sam Bowie. And all the proof you need is to listen to Conversations with Oscar Combs, presented by Rafferty's. And now, here's Oscar Combs and Sam Bowie.
0: Of all the time I've been around the University of Kentucky from base 53, 54 years. I don't know of any athlete, maybe there is one, but I don't know of any athlete who had a closer relationship with the college president at the time that you had with Dr. Singletary. Wow, Dr. Singletary, and how it
2: come about, I, I can't answer that, but I don't know how you knew. I, had, I, I used to go... Christmas dinner, Thanksgiving. People always say this, away from the game of basketball, just life in general. He always said that I wasn't your typical um, uh, celebrity. And I don't believe in celebrities. I believe we're all the same. And I don't because one's on TV more than the next, or you might make more money. We're all the same. But anyways, Dr. Singletary and I, uh, we had a close, close relationship. That's uh, I didn't know you knew that we were that close. He,
0: He seemed to always talk about how you persevered and how you were such a representative of the university. University,
2: yeah. I remember him telling me how I was an asset for the university. And he said, I'm not talking about block and points and rebounds. He said, you're a big asset for our university. And it, it always, uh, I, I always remember him making that statement to me.
0: He, he asked me to do something once, and I'll get to in a minute when it flows into it here, uh, that you probably don't know about. And uh, But anyway, we go through the 82-83 season, and it starts out, you know, Pretty difficult. We, we come around, you're sitting on the sidelines, and we end up playing Louisville in the so-called dream game in Knoxville. Where was, was In Tennessee, that's right. At Knoxville. And uh, the game before that uh Uh, I think uh, Louisville may have beaten Arkansas in the semifinals. And they come to that game, and and Kentucky's a heavy underdog, like an 8- or 10-point underdog, and actually has the ball with less than 20 seconds going to tie score. Charlie Jones blocks Dirk's Minifield shot. Charles Jones. They go down and score, and then Master hits a shot and sends it to overtime. But in overtime, they win going away. So during that time, before you come back, Kentucky and Louisville announced they're going to play an annual series. It's going to be your first game back, if I remember right. I was
2: off for two years. That's right. And they
0: And that was the night, I think it was a Thanksgiving weekend. I do remember this. I, I do remember very vividly, and it, I had to get it refreshed a while back. But the WTBS in Atlanta, it was such a big game. They outbid everybody for that game. And, of course, at that time, you know, uh, ESPN was – well, they were formed in 79, so they weren't really a factor. Right. right. So anyway, TBS bought the rights to it, and then they decided they were going to put on a one-hour pregame show from inside Rupp Arena in the lobby. Lobby? Area. And you know who hosted that? No. I actually watched a little clip on YouTube or not a guy by the name of Craig Sager. Craig did? Yes. Wow. I mean, he was Craig like in his all... 20s. Craig did? Yes. Had his trench coat on like he's famous for. Wow. But wow. he did the pregame, and then they played the game. You know what happened in the game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Your first game back, did you ever have a more famous block than what was on the cover of Sports Illustrated next week? I just told you that I'm not big on memorabilia. I've got that picture that
2: you gave me with – Anchorage on the bus and I've got the Sports Illustrated of me blocking uh, the Louisville and putting me on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And the wording
0: was something like okay Louisville you want them you got them.
2: That's exactly right.
0: And I think the block shot was on Jeff Hall. Jeff wow that's exactly who it was. And then that started the year that really got the Kentucky fandom with that win.
2: Yes yes.
0: And it's Played them what and how many years scheduled? Uh, I hadn't, I hadn't, play, hadn't never scheduled. Never, right? It was, it was like in maybe the fifties or sixties. They okay. played them in a tournament. Okay, but you go through that year and a lot of big things happen. I mean, a lot of big things. One game that I recall at Rupp Arena in January, it was the first time in history that TV had pre-game the Super Bowl with a basketball game, Five Slamma Jamma. Hakeem Olajuwon and the Houston uh,
2: Five Slamma Jamma boys in Rupp Arena Sunday before the Super Bowl. And you've been to many games in Rupp Arena.
0: There's never been a game at Rupp Arena that had more people in there than that one.
2: And here we go again. I'm an old-timer. You can match the attendance that we had, but you cannot put one more than we had that It's like the old
0: saying, if you had all the feathers that you could carry, could you carry one more? The answer is no. No, that's a. Good and one. at Bluegrass Hill that day, I was told there was over a hundred. Private aircraft there. You know what fans from Houston
2: is amazing. Back then the oil game was real good in the state of Texas. And I'll never forget this. I remember how many times they were talking about all the private planes out there at Bluegrass Airport. It was almost like it was a horse sale.
0: Yes, yes. Uh for the king That was an uh, analogy of it. Yes. Uh, but uh
2: what a what an atmosphere. Electricity. Uh Elijah Juan fouled out that game and I remember going over to him and hitting him on the backside and congratulating him. He was a great, great player. Kenny Walker, Melvin, and myself uh, were very uh, victorious uh, going up against our big guys. But and then, as you well know, he wound up being the first pick in the draft the next year, and then I was the second pick. And- I remember being at the draft, and David Stern, a lot of people don't know this, David Stern's first year in the NBA was our first year. So I yeah, was actually, the first person to ever shake his hand in the draft.
0: Actually, the top five picks was Elijah one, you, Jordan, Perkins, and Charles Barkley. And you could make an argument all five were from the South if you want to count Houston. Wow. That's the, uh, yeah, when you look at it that way. Let, let's just, I'll just ask your thoughts on taking me through that last season there, around that through the SEC tournament and then up to the Final Four. Me
2: personally being a two-year layoff, I was so excited just to be on the basketball court and I knew that this was my last go-around and I'll be honest with you, Oscar, when I signed to play for the University of Kentucky, I thought we would win a couple national championships. I know that's far-fetched thinking but i just i just thought we would uh as a 56 year old uh man sitting here we'd be reminiscing about a couple of championships uh so my senior year i was down to my last year and i just uh, i liked the team that i had you know dickie bill masters big uh uh, kenny walker is a sophomore from roberta georgia we we had a nice nice uh team uh big turp but anyways we were favorite all through the regular season I knew we we were gonna be one of the top two or three teams to beat in the uh, tournament. After we beat Houston in Rupp Arena, and I knew Houston had everyone on their radar to be in the Final Four. Well, it took our confidence even more. I knew we played them in Rupp Arena, huge advantage. Um, my senior year, I, time was running out. Was that the same year that we
0: played on Christmas Eve in Illinois? When the refs, uh, yeah. Yeah, refs came out, out of the stands. Yeah. Wow. Wasn't that the same that's year? The same year. Oh, we played them twice we that played, year. That's exactly right.
2: We played, uh, tell me, actually, hey, t- tell I blocked t- the shot at the end of the yes. game in Rupp Arena for us to go to the Final Four. Uh, we played
0: Illinois. I believe Illinois is the team we played before. We played Louisville, then Illinois at Rupp. At Rupp. But let's go back to Champaign that night because That's, I got a little bit of a story to tell you there, too. We, we were playing Illinois in Illinois. It was a horrible weather. You
2: flew up there. We flew up there, got there. Just, it was, it was, this, the weather was a typical mid- Midwest uh, winter. And the refs couldn't get there. The refs could not get there. They were unable to to get there.
0: They found one ref in the stands. He came out. They found another guy that was a ref, but he was only a high school, high school ref. ref, And he come out of the stands. And Joe Holland this day said it's been well, it was one of the best officiated games he'd ever had as a coach. Of course he won. Of course he won, that's right. Now I don't know where you remember this or not. After the game? No, the the fact that who made the trip with you? Fellow named Doctor Otis Singletary. Oh, Doc. And his wife, Gloria, was not too happy with him making a trip on Christmas Eve for a basketball game in Illinois. Wow. Doc and, was a huge sport. Yes. Oh. And after the game, the plane couldn't get it started. No, no, no. So they waited around and waited around and waited around, and they finally got a local guy that had a little local bus. Bus. And he came over, you loaded it up, and then the diesel oil started gelling on you. (laughs)
2: Yes.
0: Take it from there because I wasn't on the trip. I remember coaching them trying to get some
2: type of transportation. Finally, they come up with this bus. Well, before we get that, though, didn't James Blackman make a big shot at the end of that game? Sure did. James hit a big shot for us to win it. I think he only went two or three points. But he hit a big shot at the end of that game for us to survive getting out of there at illinois but i remember after the game there was still a lot of questions before the you shower and talk to the press and media a lot of people you could hear rumblings about so where do we go from here like are we gonna be able to get out or what are we doing and uh we uh i remember when coach finally said that they got a bus and uh we got on the road and it's like we shouldn't be out here (laughs) at
0: all and somebody had to use a spray or something to keep the windshield from freezing up I'm trying to think who that was that personally used some type thank you i'm not sure uh but i
2: remember them and it was like even as a you know when you're 18 19 you got a lot more nerve and you're a lot uh, less uh to do the right thing than when you're a 40 50 year old man even then i remember as a ball player saying this is dangerous out here on this highway with this bus uh and uh so experiences like that you're like you'll never forget those moments never
0: but it, and otis had told us, glory we'll be back by midnight because you're flying back we'll be back by midnight no shot and you rode in the Lex and i was told like 6 15 the next morning the next morning christmas day yes
2: Yes, on Christmas Day. That's exactly right.
0: And I tell you, another thing I remember to continue
2: that, and this is how the Commonwealth has to understand how far we've come. We're number one in the country. Coach Hall, after we get back from that game, people don't realize this. We never got to really practice at Rupp Arena. If there was something going on with a volleyball game at the Coliseum, we couldn't practice there. I remember Coach telling us that they would leave notes on the Wildcat Lodge doors to tell us where we were going to practice the next day. It might be at Lafayette High School. It might be at Tate's Creek High School. But my point is, can you imagine being the number one team in the country (laughs) and and don't have a practice facility to practice at? A lot of years, as you well know, Mm -hmm. the only time we played at Rupp Arena was during the games. Mm -hmm. We don't practice down there. They had all kind of events and things, so it's just uh, I remember we, we beat Illinois, uh, and then the next day we were trying to figure out we got in wee hours, and Coach just wanted to go over some chalk talk and go uh, uh, go through like a forty-five minute workout, but we're trying to find out where we would practice because. Uh, A lot of times during my career at the University of Kentucky, we practiced all over the city to try and find a facility.
0: That was in December and January. What do you remember about the SEC tournament that year?
2: I remember uh, we were expected to win it. We're a favorite. We, always had, we had a team that, you know, Masters could uh, light it up. Dickie Bill could break somebody down, and you had Terp and myself, the big guys, and then Kenny was a phenomenal uh, ball player. But that was the year we beat Barkley and them in the uh,
0: – Nashville, Tennessee. Is that where it was? Nashville, Tennessee. Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, and he was laying on the court crying at the end when the – Second ugliest shot in UK history fell through the hoop it after bounced, it bounced about it three times. It bounced and bounced. It bounced it that and Sean Woods has got to be the two worst shots in history, and both of them could have meant something big. One did, and unfortunately, yeah, the other yes. didn't. But I remember winning
2: that thing down uh, in Tennessee and celebrating, and I remember the
0: way the shot went in. Uh, did Kenny shoot the. Uh, Kenny, Kenny Walker shot the shot. He did hit the shot. Yeah, yes. but just. To the left of the circle, okay. regional circle. Uh, and they just bounced and bounced and bounced. And Hornage sounded a couple of seconds before it actually fell through the basket. That's exactly right. And, and Charles Barkley, uh, a couple of years ago, said of all the years he played, he never won a championship. And that was the closest, and that was the one that hurt the worst.
2: Right. But I remember winning it, and I remember Charles sitting on the floor. He, uh, Auburn wanted that very, very badly, very badly. But I remember us winning it, and Coach, I remember Coach actually showing some signs of enthusiasm. Well, that was his first title. I didn't know that now. And his only one, and his only one. While we were here, and now that we're on that subject, I remember Coach being in the locker room,
0: actually showing some enthusiasm, like, like, the, the first five years of the SCC tournament once it started back in 79 you had five different champions did we really yeah five different champions
2: because we we used to play the, the in uh Alabama we played the tournament uh Birmingham in Birmingham yeah yeah now I remember coach he was really really excited when we won that uh that that SEC uh, a tournament, and he said, now let's this let, be a springboard to take us uh, to the Final Four.
0: And you got into tournament, and you got back at Rupp Arena, which a lot of people didn't like. Lou Henson didn't like it, obviously. I come right out with it. And, and we, you get a second shot at Lloyd which was a little bit more difficult than this win earlier in the season. The fact that we're playing at Rupp Arena,
2: that was a huge, huge uh, goal of ours to uh put ourselves in a position to uh, be able to get to the Final Four after playing in Rupp Arena. I mean, when I shook David Stern's hand to be introduced in the NBA was a great thrill in my life. That wasn't even the same neighborhood, and I knew that I was going to get some things to do for my loved ones financially but i still remember when we beat illinois in Rupp. it's it's like a out of body uh a feeling because looking around Rupp arena and seeing the crowd and the emotions just it's uh it makes you speechless
0: you beat louisville you beat illinois just about everybody's saying this this team's a team of destiny yeah we uh That's probably the best way. We're a team
2: of destiny. And and I remember when we played Georgetown out in Cincinnati and, uh, excuse me, up in Seattle, we were up at halftime, I believe.
0: I think you were up 13 late in the first half, and you were still up like seven or eight at the half. I think we were up seven and a half, but we were
2: up double digits, as you mentioned, and I remember coming in at halftime, and coach hall was furious that they had come back within seven mm-hmm. and he was in the at halftime he was like guys gee, we didn't even play our game and we're sitting we're up seven in that locker room at halftime you know as great as patrick and uh, and reggie uh, williams and those guys had a great it was uh big, paranoia
0: uh yeah how big was brown in that game there's some people thought that his physicality yeah, yeah. He, started having a...
2: he, he had a career game, and obviously when you have a guy like Patrick Ewing, uh, we were more uh, defensively minded thinking about stopping Patrick, but the, uh, the, is it Graham, Michael Graham? Michael Graham. Graham. Yeah, he, uh, he had a career game, and he was the difference in the outcome of that game. I tell people this all the time, God bless his soul. Bill Kitely. When we got beat, we come to the locker room. Everyone is quiet. Nobody knows what to say. And finally, Coach says his speech. Walt McCombs and Bill Kitely are going around picking up socks and jocks from guys that getting undressed. And I was sitting in my stall, and Bill Kitely came up to me, and he said, Hey, big guy, you need to take that uniform off now. I need that. And I remember staring down at the floor, and I was just like, it's over. I'll never play for Kentucky again. It's five years and everything's over. Well, he went around, he circled back around and I was still sitting there. And I was the last one to take my uniform off and I specifically remember, it's almost like life is over. Uh, And I remember putting my jocks and socks and the uniform in Bill's bag and I give him a hug and I said I love you man and I'm sorry it's almost like I needed to apologize because we didn't win a national championship and uh, it's just uh, I can remember that that scene very vividly
0: how tough was it coming back home when you started talking with your friends your family knowing that you had taken it off for the last time
2: I'm a real emotional guy so I, I, uh, I show my feelings on my sleeve. So even though you know, I'm not bragging when I say this, like I didn't have to go through all the uh, the so-called combines that a lot of these kids go through Oscar before they get drafted. And I knew I was going to be one of the top three picks in the, in the NBA draft. So all my loved ones and the friends were saying, yo, boo, you made it, man. You're getting ready to get riches and famous and this and that. But it was like that didn't even matter to me because I was like, I don't get a chance to put a banner up at the Rupp Arena. I just, you know, my jersey's up there, and I'm very appreciative, and I, every time I go in there, I I, uh, I embrace that. That's that's something that my children will always see every time they go in Rupp Arena. But the one thing that bothers me is alongside that jersey should be a national championship somewhere. So
0: mm-hmm. it was tough. You go up into the summer, the NBA draft, and we talked about it. Those five going through, and Portland Trailblazers. Mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about your time there
2: i go from the university of kentucky where the fans support as you well know the best in the country to portland oregon where it's the only team in the whole state blazer mania it's like i go from wildcats to blazer mania nike is in beaverton which is right up the street from portland oregon and uh, jack ramsey is our coat. So when I went to the Northwest, I was very, very excited. I I knew that I was probably going to be the starting center right as a rookie. They traded their center uh, over to Denver for Kiki Vanderway. They had Clyde Drexler as a two guard. So when I got there, I was really, really excited. And I loved the Northwest and uh, was very excited to be out there. And, you know, unfortunately, my first year, I played in uh, 79 out of the 82 games, missed three games. And then my second year, I uh, was playing the Milwaukee Bucks and uh, Jerome Kersey. Uh, I went up to block a shot and I fell on the floor. And before I could get up, he fell on my leg and uh, refractured it. And I missed that year. I come back. I rehab for a year. And we're playing the uh, Dallas Mavericks. And uh, I turned to take a shot and my right tibia just completely exploded, shattered. And uh, wound up rehabbing for a year. They put 10 screws in it with a compression plate. Come back after 10 months and 16 games into the next season, three of the screws snapped playing the Boston Celtics. We were warming up and I was warming up. And I, when I went to jump, it felt like somebody took a stick from the stands and just hit my leg. And when I landed, I knew it was broke. So, anyways, uh, needless to say, uh, with the injuries, I wasn't able to give Portland what I wanted to give them. And, but I loved the Northwest. I really did. I, I, I love Portland, Oregon.
0: You did very well financially, though. Uh, How many total years was it? I uh, I wound up uh, signing
2: a six-year contract with the Portland Trailblazers. I got traded in my uh, fifth year and uh, played with the New Jersey Nets, and then I wound up signing another five-year deal uh, with the uh, New Jersey Nets, and then my last two I finished with the Lakers. So I played 11 years of professional ball.
0: Going back over your career, who's the best player you ever competed against in college? The best player I ever played against in college
2: would be uh, Hakeem Olajuwon. Best opponent you faced in college, team-wise? Team-wise, I would have to say Dale Brown's LSU Tigers uh, with Rudy Macklin and uh, Cook. Was the guard there then? guard, uh, I'm trying to think of his name. Was it it Chris Jackson? No, he played with Shaq. Oh, okay. Yeah, they were gone. But uh, Dale Brown had some good. Ethan team. Martin. Ethan Martin. Ethan Martin. That's who it was? Ethan Martin. The
0: Dale. man that had 20 assists a game. Ethan
2: Martin. Uh, how'd you come up with that?
0: <laughs> oh, uh, I mean, there was one game where I think he had more assists than the to- team total. Total. Because uh, Dale took care of his point guard. Now, now, <laughs> not to jump around, you do remember
2: how Dale used to have that tiger come down. Oh, yeah. He came down in it once himself. Uh, Dale did. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. Yes, against Kentucky. Yes,
0: the your favorite arena. I mean, you like to play up to crowds when you played. Yes, what was your favorite arena in college that you liked to go play before? Other than Rupp, of course. Uh, yes, I'd have to say
2: um, I'd have to go back to LSU. The the environment, as you well know, Oscar, when we would when the bus would pull up there, as John Calipari would say, it's everybody's Super Bowl. And. And when I say this, I hope the listeners don't take this in a negative way. Rupp Arena, and I'm probably going to get in trouble when I say this, is not as intimidating a factor as some of the places that we go play. And I say that only because we as Kentucky fans, we assume we're going to win. There's no need to be on the edge. But when we go on the road to the Mississippis, Mississippi State's, Auburn's the Alabama you know yourself there's it, no it, more intimidating place in Rupp for a big game for a big game but it's got to be a big it's game it's got to be a big game and, and let me rephrase it like you it's, just said if it's a big game Rupp is Rupp if it's Louisville it's,
0: Carolina it,
2: right someone like it but when Kentucky even back in my era when we pull in and John says that the Super Bowl you have to see what these 18 19 year old kids have to endure prior to the tip off When I was doing color commentary, when Tubby was here, and it's almost like it was good for me to get a reminder of what it's like to be a Kentucky basketball player. Those kids, when they get their ankles taped and they walk out on the floor to shoot around an hour, hour and a half before the actual game, the abuse that you take coming out of your locker room through the halls.
0: But you thrived on that.
2: Some athletes thrive on it and others it gets to them, but that actually did give me extra incentive because it's something about Oscar going in with a a team of 15 guys, four coaches, and a couple of trainers and getting out of that arena that has 20,000 and beating
0: them. Best game you ever played as a Wildcat.
2: Wow, that's a, I've never been asked that before. And I don't want it to be a cliche, but you know, every game, obviously, I was proud to have the. But the best game, I had a game down in Mississippi State uh, my senior year that I hit five or six straight down the stretch for us to get out of there with a win. And I wound up with like 27 points, maybe 16 rebounds. But I remember each bucket we needed and had to have. So it was down in Mississippi State.
0: The game you'd like to have to play over? The Georgetown game your biggest thrill as a Wildcat.
2: My, was not even close. Coming through my hoop, my senior year, knowing that last time, last, uh, last uh, regular season, uh, even though we got to play there, you know, my uh, senior year for the NCAA tournament, but what a thrill.
0: But Expand on that just a little bit. Who went out with
2: you? My mom. My mother was here. And we, we before we went on the air, you and I were talking about Melvin Turpin's mother. And I remember her being in a wheelchair and Melvin uh, pushing her uh, around Rupp Arena floor. And just gives you goosebumps. But I wish the general public would be able to go inside when you're 21 years old and you've given all you had for a university and you're very appreciative of the support and to know that that chapter of your life won't be anymore it's uh, what a blessing
0: your biggest disappointment
2: without question uh, that my father did not get to see
0: more Most unusual thing to happen to you during your time here.
2: I was here for five years because I got injured. My senior year, I was going to Kroger's grocery store, uh, and this is—I remember <laughs> it as, uh, as it was yesterday. A woman in her late eighties, early nineties. I pulled up and I saw she was up in age, and she might need a little assistance. So I remember I went over, and I tried to give her some uh, help getting out of her vehicle. She was parking in a handicap spot, and I went over, and I extended my hand, and she looked up at me, and she said, Sam Bowie, and I said, yes, ma'am. The next 20 minutes, she proceeded to tell me everything I did as a UK ball player, like she was my mother. Just, and that puts in perspective what UK fans are all about. This woman could tell me how I missed a jump shot from eight feet against Mississippi in 1983. And but that uh, that was just really really unusual to to walk into a stranger and for her to tell you when you were born and what you
0: averaged in high school and everything else. I want to give you a list of names? Just what comes to mind? Three or four or five words? Just description. Freddie Cowan. One of the funniest guys I've ever been around. Brent Barrow. He's
2: great in his own mind. Jim Master. Never lacked self-confidence. Dickie Beale. Great ball player that was very moody. Charlie Hurt. All love uh, for Charles. Nothing but love, love, love. Gary cord. Wish he would have been more self inserted.
0: Dirk Minifield. An absolute warrior. Dwight Anderson. Best athlete
2: I've ever been around. Roger Harden. Played like he was from the hood. Leroy Byrd. Thought he was eight feet tall.
0: Winston Bennett.
2: The toughest mentally and physical guy I had as a teammate. Kenny Walker. Country kid who got sent to the city. (laughs) Joby Hall. Mentor. Father figure, absolute love for him.
0: Walt McCombs. Helped me
2: with all my rehab. Bill Kitely. Always made me feel like I was his favorite. Dick Parsons. Was the bouncer between the players and the coaches. Dr. Jackson. Remember his wife's smile all the time.
0: (laughs) Dr. Singletary. Meant the world to me. I was telling you earlier, one day I was at practice before your last year, and you were out on the floor, and Dr. Singletary was sitting on the side. And you don't know this part of it. He said, Oscar, you know what you ought to do? And I said, no, what's that, Doc? He said, you ought to get Sam to write a little letter to the fans, put it in your paper. You wrote a letter. We put it in a yearbook. Would you mind reading it?
2: Dear friends, over two years ago, I suffered a leg injury, which has prevented me from playing basketball the past two seasons. I received many phone calls, cards, personal support, plus numerous other gestures of backing from people all over the country. When times seemed to be at their lowest point, I constantly reread all the cards to lift my spirit. I would be lying to you if I said I wasn't depressed many times, but it's people like you who make a weak man strong. When looking back at my situation, I truly believe it was a blessing from our Father above. Before this injury occurred, I put basketball as my first priority in life. I have always been in the limelight, and the reason for this limelight was basketball. So what I'm trying to say is the injury has allowed me to look at my life from a different perspective. I see life as a number of unsolved puzzles. With the help of each other, we can put these puzzles together. I want you, the fan, to know that we together solved my puzzle and the picture couldn't be any lovelier than it is today. The reason for writing this message is to self-satisfy myself for the much-deserving praise you, the fan, so much deserve. I could go on and on but that wouldn't do any good. I simply want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for the support I received on my five years at the University of Kentucky. As I close this letter, I feel myself getting soft inside. My eyes begin to water and I find myself looking for a phrase to show my respect and love for you. But I guess all I can say is God bless you, and my prayers are with you. Love and respect,
1: Sam Bowie.